It's March 16th, 2020, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. When you're friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you've been having a relatively decent time. It's kind of weird at the moment. Um, Most everybody seems to be shut down with the, all the coronavirus. Yeah, I know. It's fears that are running around. It's kind of odd. Uh, just driving here, I'm like, wow, there's really not that many people on the road. Not that many people on the road. And with all the rain that we've been having, you would have expected a little bit more than... <laughs> more than that, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things I'm like, well, I'm glad I get to work from home, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it has phase office put everybody at home or? Yes, they are. They're doing a stress test today, so everybody's working from home for a day and just to see what that would do to the office, <laughs> <laughs> and and if it is as successful as they think it will be, they will implement it full time. Wow. So. Okay. Just wait until everything passes and pull everybody back in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, James's office luckily has been, you know, they've been going towards more work from home anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think their their office here in Dallas, they don't even have enough space for the employees who live here. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it really encourages everybody to work from home anyway. So it's fine. But we thought we'd talk about something not quite so depressing. Well, I was going to say, that, that ties in perfectly with our work from home episode. Oh, I know. Well, why couldn't this have happened then? Oh, right. <laughs> Good timing for that. Uh, but anyway, so now one of the things we thought we'd talk about, because Matthew's had this project that, uh, gosh, you've been doing it for... Six years now. Has it really been six years you've been working on this? It'll be six years in September, October. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize it'd been that long. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Matt, I'll let Matt give us a little bit of a background here, because it's, it's pertinent to what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So when I started at my uh the current office. oh my gosh that's right it was when you started yes holy yeah. crap a do yeah wow when i started working at my current office i was put on a historic preservation type project we didn't know exactly what it was going to be but it was this old cotton storage warehouse from the late 1880s i think and um, they had expanded the, it was originally a cotton storage, but then they turned it into kind of a, a showroom and a, uh, like a sales, office. a sales office. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then from there it transitioned and then they expanded the building two or three times, two times they had the original building and then they expanded it twice, uh, for a very long stretched out thin building and it, kind of took over my your existence existence for the first year <laughs> wow wow so, and then and then you know it, it went away and came back and went away. Yeah. well and was this really your first introduction to historic preservation it was because before that i was working in uh, that's right you were doing healthcare. multifamily yeah healthcare, kind of healthcare and multifamily and, and stuff like that yeah wow did you do any of that in school at all we had one project that uh, a professor of mine gave us where we were adding on to the old Dallas High School oh, at yeah. Pearl Arts because okay. that was the that's one of the last kind of vacant lots in downtown proper yeah. that, that that people are still trying to propose ideas for. Yeah. So we had we had that project and um, I remember one of the solutions 
somebody came up with was uh, Dallas had finally legalized gambling, and so they were going to put a giant casino. <laughs> Adjacent to the original Dallas High School. Yes. Well, that seems totally inappropriate. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, whatever it takes to save the building. Because, I mean, it really is. It's a cool building. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, whatever it takes to do that. Interesting. So, yeah. So, we thought we, we'd talk a little bit about historic preservation because I've never really done any either. And I think it gets in that weird thing about, you know, okay, what really cons- is considered historic preservation? And, you know, what does it mean? And how does it work? And, you know, you have so many different aspects to this that, and we just thought we'd kind of go through and touch on a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, and what it, how it can be applied today. Yeah. So, um, and you know, the captain obvious answer to historic preservation is it's the process of preserving dusty old buildings so mm. that have some sort of significance to history. <laughs> and that's where Larry goes. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. Dusty old buildings. Well, sweet. Uh, but yeah, but I, th- I think the thing that that you know people don't realize because it's you hear preservation and they think, oh, we've got to keep it exactly the way it is, mm-hmm. and that's the first thing we think of when we go through you know preservation. And there's you know um, there's multiple facets to this. You know, it's talking about rehabilitation, about you know changing or adding on to an existing historic property. Um, you know, just to meet the needs of what's going on now, but still trying to retain some of that character, you know, the building itself, really being able to do that. Yeah, and one of the ones that I grew up uh, in in close contact was, uh, with is uh, uh, restoring an old property. Yeah. And, and basically what that entails is just... You're you're taking a property back to a specific moment in time, yeah. and that, and then and and removing any trace of any other existence that w- might have been there, and freezing that. And one thing that I really liked was uh, downtown Plano has uh, Heritage Farmstead. Oh yeah, no no, I've I've worked on that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's just the uh, it's a small working farmhouse with the original structure and the surrounding grounds that they've restored into a working yeah. farm but it everything is preserved in that moment of this is the this is what Plano used to be yeah yeah we actually uh um uh, my old farm we were working helping someone with uh actually adding on there had been like an, a kitchen added on to the building at some point in time hmm. and so it was like taking what was there and essentially we ended up, I think, pulling it off because it was in such bad shape. But building a new kitchen and some bathrooms there because they would give tours mm-hmm. um, and would allow them to have a, a space to do that, and it was just really interesting. And and the, the, you know the the building for the most part was as it was when it was uh, built, but there I think a staircase had been taken out of it at some point. And that and, was it. And that was well, yeah. I mean, it was. They were looking at actually going back and and you know finish, finishing the restoration, going back and actually putting back in the staircase and you know making it back to what it had been. Completing they, that, completing freezing that, that moment in time. Yeah, completing that, <laughs> completing that freezing. Yeah, exactly. So, and the other thing too is you know there's also the idea of reconstruction because you know you get you know buildings from from the past that have either been you know there's been some sort of disaster they've been wiped out um fire something going on but coming back and recreating that building um so that you know it, it's it, it sort of gives you a history a little historical aspect to it um 
but you just you know it's obviously not the original yeah it's not ideal it's not an ideal thing to do because you you've lost the the, the that building and all the history that that represents yeah you can you can rebuild the 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 place where you know bonnie and clyde were were, were recaptured or killed or or whatever but you can't <laughs> but but you can't replace the bullet holes and, right. and all the stuff that made it that, that place well and that's interesting that you have the bonnie and clyde reference i didn't think you were old enough for that <laughs> but that's okay uh but yeah so so when you're talking about historic preservation it's just not preservation it's you know it's a rehabilitation and reconstruction and the, um what was the other one i forgot restoration uh, restoration uh wah 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 you know it's it's the middle of the day i'm already starting to to fade uh <laughs> But anyway, so, you know, one of the things that, that we always get into, and, and this is, I think, every, almost every sort of project where you have a historic aspect to it, historic designations, because you can have state, you can have local, and you can have national. And there's, you know, of course, the national register. Mm-hmm. But most states will have their own, and then some, you know, min- most municipalities will have their own restrictions. Uh, here in Dallas, it's a landmark commission. And so if you're dealing with a historic building, um, here in Dallas, it's that's just on the you know, you know, register here in Dallas. You're still still dealing with landmark commission, and trying to work through all of those particular buttons. <laughs> I guess I what's the best word for that? Um, all the little caveats that you know you're going to have to do, all the little things you're going to end up having to abide by. Yeah, all the hoops you have to jump through in order for them to there we go approve your yeah design proposal yeah the hoops but but now when you guys started the 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 cotton gin building wasn't designated yet was it um oh geez i don't even really want to speak to this because you're not sure i wasn't involved in that part of the process (laughs) (laughs) the bureaucratic stuff we left to the bureaucrats yes yes (laughs) but I'm, i'm pretty sure it was it was landmarked and and everything was good because in order to receive sort of tax tax credits. credits to continue with the project we actually had to had to go through certain levels of de- designation okay well that makes sense yeah yeah because you're gonna have the state tax credits or you can have stuff at the national level um so yeah well in local i don't know how many how much that's a local tax credits are a little kind of wonky mm-hmm. um but yeah so so there's multiple designations and you can have one and not have the other the a uh, prime example here in Dallas, I think of, is the Alexander Mansion, which is one of only two remaining mansions uh, in Texas that are on, or in Dallas, that are on Ross Avenue. Um, and it used to be nothing but these giant mansions from downtown all the way out. Down oh, Ross towards Avenue. the lake. And, yeah, towards the lake. And um, over time, of course, they've all been torn down. But this is the the last one, that, and it's in, it's still in its original shape. It's not been modified in any, any sense of the fashion. I mean, a little bit on the interior, but like the exterior still looks exactly the same. It says all the same materials. It's brick. It's the the giant stone columns, but they only have a state designation there on the state historic register. And and there's something to being registered at the local level versus the state level versus the federal level because um if you're registered at the 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 national level i I guess the the main significance that i i found is 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 its importance to 
a larger group of people. So as you oh, as true. you go up very from true. the local, or if you get registered at the local level, you're building maybe significant historically significant to you know the local community, the right. just the area at large. But then if you have something like the Alamo, you know. Yes, that could probably be both a national and a, a state, just from a, just from that perspective. But it's, it, it, I would say that it's more important to the state of Texas than it is to history, than it is to like maybe a, the 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 history of of the the U.S. as a whole, right? Or right. as a place where you know Lincoln died is is yeah. on the walking tour in in D.C. because yeah. you know that that's a that that's something that affected the entire country. So uh, different levels of the designation, or is how important was it to the 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 area at large? And if you right. if you've reached the le- that national level, yeah, that that yeah, you know that means it was you know historically significant for a large enough population that it was judged to to, to preserve be, that building, right? right. And well, I I didn't know that. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, the other thing too is is here in Dallas, and I'm sure it's elsewhere that. You know, we talk about buildings having historic designations, but um, there are neighborhoods here that have an historic designation. They're a historic overlay. Mm. So even though they aren't a specific building, they are a group of buildings. And there's a neighborhood here in, in Dallas called Winnetka Heights that the uh, city has an over historic overlay. And so anytime you want to make a change to one, you're sitting in front of the Landmark Commission. And this is sort of where it gets into the, you know, how big of a pain is it going to be to do something sometimes? Because do you have to deal with it at the local level or at the state level or at the national level? And honestly, I think probably having to deal with it at a local level <laughs> can be more challenging because because there are more in this in this particular case there are um, because it's a neighborhood you know there are more people invested in that and as, and yeah everybody wants to be they more, want to have their say yeah they want to be more protective and. Whereas if it's something more nationalized, everybody knows about it, so it's kind of like, eh, okay, yeah. everybody, everybody, been there, done that. Yeah, we've all done that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, and and sometimes too, it gets to be the case of, well, I would wanted to do that, but they wouldn't let me, so you don't get to either. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, it kind of comes down a little bit to that. You know, we think about the, uh, I guess it's the NIMBYs, mm-hmm. you know, the not in my backyards kind of people, um, and. I don't know, you know, if that plays into it nearly as much um, when you're talking about historic neighborhoods, but certainly anything adjacent to that neighborhood is likely to be, you know, scrutinized. Very well scrutinized, yeah, yeah. Especially if you start looking at you know commercial ventures happening around it, mm-hmm. uh, people are going to get very, very protective. Um, I know that that um, um, there's some. Architects every year at the American Institute of Architects at the National Convention, there's always a meeting of the it's the Custom Residential Architects Network, so it's CRAN, and a lot of these guys are you know typically you know smaller offices, and I swear every year the people from like San Francisco and Los Angeles and you know the California part of the country will get up and spend 30 minutes complaining because they can't get a permit. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You wouldn't believe what you have to do to get a permit. I've been working on this project for two years, and I still don't have a permit. But one one guy, but it was this sort of the NIMBY thing. Made me think of the NIMBY thing. Um, one of the architects from San Francisco, they were building, I guess, building a new house uh, in a relatively historic neighborhood, and 
they've been trying to get it permitted, but the people next door who owned the same, you know, in the same neighborhood, same whatever, didn't want that being built. Oh, no. Or there was a problem with and it was going to interfere with something for from them. So suddenly, you know, it wasn't like there was some big corporation coming in trying to build a Walmart or something right there. And you get that sort of NIMBY attitude. It was just people it, against other people. It, it's a NIMBY attitude for your neighbor, you know. Oh, wow. And so this guy had been trying to get, you know, I think between probably having to go through whatever San Francisco and maybe California's regulations are for historic areas, you know, going through that process. Then it's also having to go to court to fight the neighbor who doesn't want you building on that. I was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. This is crazy. <sighs> but I guarantee you, we, we will hear that story probably every year at the CRAN meeting. And you think, okay, maybe is historic preservation really worth it? <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just for the pain. But but again, you know, it, it comes down a lot to... Um, you know, keeping the fabric of the neighborhood, I think, is what you end up, end up doing. But there's there's a building here in Dallas, because you work down, you, you're not in Deep Ellum. Are you technically in Deep Ellum, your office? Technically, okay. yes. But there's a building that went in that you were just floored by, and I think people around here have made multiple comments about how awful it was, uh, or is, because it's still standing. Um, but there's one that went in, and it's like right on the edge of... of yeah. yeah, so it's... It's it's the case building in Dallas in, in Deep Ellum, and so Deep Ellum is is kind of east, mostly east and, and a little bit south of, of downtown proper, and it and, and it, it's kind of the the eastern segue. Well, yeah, it's it's a sort of segue into East Dallas. Into East Dallas, yeah. And at the very end of this kind of gateway to downtown, they put a. I, I want to say it's like 50 story. I don't think it's that tall. Okay. Yeah. It seems like it, it seems like it just, it, but well, just from scale. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it just, it, it's, it's just looming over the rest of the, of the neighborhood, which if you, if you understand the history of, of deep Ellum, it's this, it, it's, it's, it's the, it was the, the manufacturing Henry Ford had a factory here, um, you know, the, the project I'm working on had their, their warehouses and their storage facilities here. It's a very manufacturing base, uh, type buildings, type buildings. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's no, there's nothing here over four or five stories tall. So the, the fabric of the neighborhood is that old warehousey type building that, 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 you know, it, it's it's they're large they're concrete they're bulky structures but they're they're not they're this giant residential tower yeah that that's just yeah. kind of just dropped right into the neighborhood and so you look you can look across the entire neighborhood and the the only thing that you're that the, this, this giant pole standing at the end that's yeah the, yeah yeah and 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 what really got me about it is that we work on the the we we work further east of of the case building yeah. and so we used to have this great view of downtown dallas because it's a straight shot from from our office towards downtown yeah. and as soon as the case building came up bam just gone it is just completely destroyed for our building and for all the rest of the, the area behind <laughs> us because like nobody can see anything anymore. yeah nobody can it, it 
Yeah. Well, you know, and it's, but it's that question of, you know, because you talk about historic neighborhoods and you talk about these overlays. Dallas has a lot of overlay. Um, and Deep Ellum is a very historic part for Dallas. I mean, it really is. Um, so you, you look at that and you think, well, how did that get built? Because, you know, and all we can think is it's right on the edge of the, it has to be like the overlay has to end at the street it's on. And it's on the other side of the street, just outside the protection. Yeah, of the, just the outside the protection of the commission. Because they would have not put that through. Oh, not not in the middle of Deep Ellum, not in a million years. No. So yeah, so it had to be on the on the edge there. But you get, um, it, it it like you know you said it it's not it's not in scale with the rest of the neighborhood. And that's and part of the that preserving the the, the, the history fabric. of the place, the yeah. history and the fabric of the place. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, but there is one thing that, that always comes to mind when I think about preservation because, you know, we become very focused on we need to keep every building or, you know, people, people I, don't, I don't do this, but you know, people can get very focused on, oh, my gosh, it's an old building. It's part of the neighborhood. We need to hold on to it. And it's where we get into talking about, you know, you know re- adaptive reuse. We're reusing some of these buildings for, you know, new purposes. Like a lot of the, a lot of the the apartments, their loft apartments uh, down in Deep Ellum that were created out of the warehouses. You know, the warehouses don't function any, function anymore, so we've put in these loft, you know, uh, units. So you've got all this adaptive reuse going. But every once in a while, um, sometimes a building just has to come down. <laughs> and I think people have a kind of a hard time with that sometimes. Yeah, you were telling me of an example over... Oh, down in Oak Lawn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the... Um, an old apartment building. It wasn't, and it wasn't big. And that's the thing. It wasn't like it was, you know, like some eight or ten story old apartment building, whatever. But um, I think it was maybe just two floors, and it, and I bet it didn't have eight units in it. But so small, small, very very small. <laughs> but the, um, but yeah, they, uh, 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 somebody had bought it to. Um, they were combining it with the space next door. There was an old gas station on the corner. And had been set vacant for years and years and years and years. And they had bought that lot and had bought this lot and were going to, you know, put them together and build a new building on it. And, oh, my gosh, they were, when they started talking about tearing this building down, it was just, people were just so offended and hurt. And, uh, yeah, I actually had to go on on the news on record, and not as an architect, but as, as a as a board chair for the Chamber of Commerce, the LGBT Chamber of Commerce, because it's in the what we call the gayborhood. Yeah. Um, and you know, people are concerned about losing the fabric. And and I will say this much: a lot of that neighborhood has lost a lot of what was its historic fabric. There are still a few homes and stuff that are original to the area, but a lot of it's gone. And this is just going to be another building going away. And you know, I had to go there and say, well, you know, it's it's sometimes you just you know you can't save a building, and it's going to be. You know, economically better for the neighborhood. There's a you know a big company going, a big company, but a you know a national company going in here, uh, yada yada yada. And what I really wanted to say was, okay, folks, the building's probably full of asbestos, lead pipe, lead paint, and probably has all of its foundation shot because of the age it is and how long it's set vacant. So this not really the you know oh yeah we could say this building use it for something else, but you would never. You'd never recoup any of your costs. Oh, not not at all. There'd there'd be no way, and it just didn't make any sense. And so, you know, sometimes you think, 
it'd be great to set the building, but sometimes buildings just have to come down. It, and sometimes just for nothing else, then there is no way to structurally salvage them. Mm. You know, you, you're not going to be able to start tearing into that building and have it hold up. So there's, you know, that, that challenge. Um, and as architects, our responsibility is to protect public welfare. Yeah. Well, as uh, the textbook definition of it from, from having, having recently <laughs> finished studying for it. On your exams, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's, it's health, safety, welfare. We are responsible for those things. So, yeah. Uh, so sometimes it's interesting. You get into, into some of the historic preservation stuff and you think, you know, sometimes this isn't just the best thing to do. You know, and you just need to take a take a step back and look at it and think, okay, this is time to make a change, mm-hmm. and just let it go. Um, but at that aspect, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, we were talking about the cotton gin earlier, um, and this whole idea of adaptive reuse. You know, you're looking at preservation, but you're looking at reusing the building for something else. And for you guys, it's become what's the um, is it offices that are going to go in there in the cotton gin building? Yes, the, it's a. a like a, a shared workspace. Okay, so like a co-working space. Yeah, a okay. co-working space. Okay, but but you guys are are looking at it. I mean, you're you're keeping the basic structure of the building. Yes, right? we're we're keeping the basic structure of the building. Um, and it used to be an old cotton gin. Right. Like they they used to separate the cotton from the seed and do all okay. that, and then store the cotton there. And then I think it transitioned to their sales office where they would sell these machines to people okay and then and then from there it actually became an elevator company. uh storage and building yeah company okay. uh building company <laughs> and 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 so over over the years you know it's developed this own history and and and, and through each successive iteration of the of the of the building, you know, somebody either added on to it or, or made some modification to fit their uh, to fit the, their, their current program. yeah their current program and what they're doing with it yeah and 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 so that becomes part of the history part of the fabric of that building and then we came in and it's been landmarked and and put on the the historic registry and everything and so now our job was to decide what to take out and what to keep and, 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 and figure out how to navigate the, 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 pre- the preserving versus the, the renovation. Okay. Yeah. Like what, what makes sense to really keep versus, okay, let's start peeling back some layers and seeing what we've got here. Yeah. For, uh, to, to fit the new use of a, a co-working space. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we de- decided early on is there is this massive, crane and and hoist way in the entry or or, or right in the front of the building and it's what they used to haul the cotton out of the storage and and put it onto uh train tracks and then and then wheel it out to you know to wherever it needed to go yeah yeah there's the the train tracks were still embedded into the concrete the hoist ways all there the the scale that they used to weigh the cotton before it went out is all still there and so one of the very first things that we did was we decided 
the entrance is going to go right underneath that hoist way. You are going, <laughs> we are going to smack you in the face with this history. <laughs> oh, by the way, whack, this is what this used to do. Yes, yeah. Well, but it, it, it makes such a logical entry just because it's so big and, and, and pushed out into the side that, you know, it kind of grabs your attention. So you, pro- you, you naturally want to head that direction anyway. Mm. So then you go, you go under this hoist way and then immediately going up the steps under the hoistway and crane, you see the, the scale where they used to weigh the cotton. And the, as we were progressing in, the, in the, the restoration of the building, one of, somebody threw out the idea of restoring the scale to its old, you can, you can you you, walk on it. And yeah, walk on the scale and, and, and <laughs> plenty of legal pitfalls with that. But <laughs> Well, I'm just picturing everyone walking around it instead of yeah. walking across it. They're like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that today. I don't need to be reminded. Thank you. Yeah. But, but just, but, but just restoring that and, 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 and keeping it part of the building rather than just yanking it all out and, mm-hmm. and, and so, so it just adds to the experience of walking up and into the space is going over the, the, the scale that we've restored and, mm-hmm. and then, and then you're, you're into the, into this massive brick and, and wood building yeah. from the late 1880s. Wow. Wow. Well, and the other thing too, the, the, you know, we talk about adaptive reuse because, um, everyone's gone towards that green building. Uh, you know, it's more, I think even, uh, the AIA, um, their upcoming initiative is, is moving towards more um, sustainability and greener buildings. And a lot of these old buildings, whether, you know, not necessarily intentionally, but because of the way they were built, the construction methods at the time, you know, made these things, the, at least the walls, very, very um, econ- um, eco-friendly. I was say economically friendly, that's not right. Uh, eco-friendly, uh, just because of the massing. Yeah, the concrete or the the brick, the brick on the cotton gin is at least a foot thick. Wow! And and you know you can you can be outside and you know it's seventy five degrees and, and nice, but then you go into the building even around you know noon one o'clock, and there's a ten degree drop just because <laughs> the 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 thermal mass that you yeah. get from from those from the the just thick, the, yeah, thickness of the wall. The yeah. thickness of the wall and, and the energy efficiency that you get from that. Now, you lose all that in the really crappy windows they put into the building. Yeah, well, but, you know, workable at the time. But, but for you guys, no, it's, it's, you, you guys have been in that process of replacing windows, right? Yes. Yeah, so you've gone down, down through that process the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and so just this whole idea of you're not pulling any – you're – I had, a, I had an old professor who who liked to point out that one of the greenest buildings in the world is the, the Colosseum in Rome because it's been standing for 2,000 years. They haven't had to pull any... That, because it was standing for so long, mm-hmm. they haven't had to pull any 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 new material out of the ground to, to do anything with it. I mean, I'm sure they haven't in the, in the restoration process. Sure. But the bones of the building are there and they haven't they haven't significantly had to to do anything with to it. do anything with it because you know it's been there for 2000 years people have been walking up and around it for 2000 years wow if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah yeah well but you know but but again it's it becomes i think people get sort of oh well it's an old building you know it's something old and let's tear it down and put something new 
And, you know, people ask, well, why does historic preservation matter? What's, why is it really important? And a lot of it has to do with what it says, history. You know, you're talking about the fabric and the history of an area and of a neighborhood and of a country. So, you know, you get into that issue of, you know, do we really want to tear that down? Um, there was a, uh, the old, uh, not Dallas, the old Fort Worth Public Library downtown Fort Worth um, was Art Deco. Mm. Really cool Art Deco building. It is now a parking lot. And they couldn't get anybody to buy it and restore it or, you know, do any adaptive reuse. And this is probably 25, maybe 30 years ago. Wow. And they just wouldn't do it. And so whoever owned the land knew it was more valuable as a parking lot, and that's what happened to it. Now, uh, from what I understand, they stripped most of the elements out of the building itself, uh, you know, the historic aspects of it. But the building itself is gone. Hmm. Well, and and that reminds me of... uh, an issue they were having with Notre Dame yeah. when it, as it burned, you know, you, you, you see these big images splashed across all these TVs of, Oh my gosh, this, this 800 year cathedral is, is burning. Like mm-hmm. it, we need to save it. And, you know, and, and the entire world came together and they now have more money than they know what to do with for, to preserve this building. Right. Right. And to restore it to back to where, uh, to where it was. But, the part that really got me was that they were struggling to come up with any money to fix it before the fire. Oh, wow. It was, it, they, they, it, it was a complete afterthought until something happened to it. And then everybody's like, well, wait, no, wait, wait, no, no, you gotta save it. You gotta save it. Well, I think that becomes that, that question about being iconic. Mm. You know, it's an iconic architecture question, but you know, it's, it's, and for a building like that, it's not just the history of of the building it's, or the history of Paris. It's the history of the world. I mean, that's that's a recognizable across the world what that building is. So you know, there's you know, you're weighing that aspect of it too, I guess. Yeah. Um, it would have been interesting had the building collapsed. Would they have gone and built it back the way it was? And I can't imagine how long that would have taken. Oh wow, we've so. had another. Uh... Sagrada Familia on that yeah, one. Yeah, on that one. Oh, God, don't even go there. But, yeah, but but like I said, you know, we do talk about history and, and the fabric of the neighborhood, but there is there is some aspects to, um, you know, a couple of years ago we had all the stink about, you know, tearing down the, the old um, Confederate memorial statues, you know, and oh, yeah. all that hoo-ha um, because we were losing history. Oh, my gosh, it's, you know, the history of the area, or it's the history of this, and and as it turned out, not really. Yeah, they had the, um, the 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 vast. If if you went back and looked at the history right. of those spaces, the the uh, the mo- the vast majority of those statues were actually built in the nineteen sixties, right. and that was right around the same time, coincidentally, that you had the massive civil rights, all the marches, mo- marches and movements, and this was. That's sort of a way of, of saying we are still here. We are still here and we are still in power. Yeah. As obnoxious and abhorrent as, as that as that message was, that's what those statues represented. Yeah. And so to live in that 
moment I can see where like if you if you don't know the history of the buildings and or the the, the, the built environment right. and the and the the history of the spaces that you're occupying, you may say, well, why are we tearing this down? Well, we're tearing it down because it's not really historical. Right. You know, those those statues are really only appropriate on 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 Civil War battlefields where, you know, they actually marched through this field. And yeah. so here's a statue. Here's a, here's something to commemorate a monument that. commemorating the 63rd of the New York running through the Shenandoah Valley. Yeah. But for to have to have Confederate statues just in random public or not random, but public parks across the South is just it's, ignoring the, the what actually happened, which yeah. was ignoring a lot about how they got there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so historic preservation, I feel like definitely plays a role in in how that. Sure. Sure. Well, because, I mean, you know, it's it's people think history. It's our history. Well, it's not a good history, <laughs> and it's not historical. Like you said, you know, you need to think historic preservation. You really are thinking those really, truly old buildings. Um, there's some significance to them, mm-hmm. uh, and in this case, this has a different significance for a lot of people. So yeah, so it's not necessarily just about buildings, but it's about the built environment and you know what's what's there and what's really maybe in some ways appropriate or accurate. I'm not sure there's a good answer for that, mm-hmm. but yeah, we could we could talk about that stuff all day and try not to get too much into politics and all that sort of hoo ha. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so so it's you know it's interesting. We were just you know, this is one of those things that, like I said, you know, I don't think either one of us really gets has been involved in very heavily. But you know, you get into one of those projects and suddenly your mind starts going historic preservation. What is it? What does it mean? And and um, so we thought it'd be just kind of fun to do this for the podcast and and talk about those things, um, but um, keep in mind, you know, again, we're talking about when we talk historic preservation, it's not just preservation. We're talking about the, you know, the preservation, the rehabilitation, the restoration, and reconstruction. So you've got enough as, uh, enough avenues there to explore. You know, anytime you get into this type of project, especially when someone comes to you, and it could just be their house. But there's a historic aspect to it, maybe for them, maybe for their family. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's one of those things I, I think if I had gotten my master's degree, I might have gotten my historic preservation certificate. Hmm. But since I skipped out early uh, and I opted not to do that. Now, now my, uh, my niece has her um, master's in architectural history. And the firm she currently works for... Um, They'd hired her because she had gone to the University of Virginia, and her first job was two weeks crawling underneath the rotunda, uh, taking measurements and investigating and doing all these sorts of things. This is the library that Thomas Jefferson built. Yeah, it's on the uh, it's on the UVA campus, and uh, I mean it was, you know, she said it's it's disgusting, and I think part of the other reason she's small enough she could fit under, you know, there's some challenge there too. Um, and in their restoration and the renovation work, they they actually found um, some things that were they weren't expecting to find. Hmm. So uh, uh, interesting project and uh, it, good enough job that the the American Institute of Architects actually um, honored them last year. Wow! Gave them an award for it. Uh, so yeah, so so pretty neat. But uh, but that's sort of historic preservation, I think. 
um, or at least you know some take on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, most most uh, oh well not most I'll say some municipalities um, will have a preservation organization and uh, here in Dallas it's um, Preservation Dallas uh, you know appropriately named. Um, but I would look around and if you know it's something you're interested in and and or if you've got an old building you're getting ready to work on, um, talk with somebody in the city and see if there's an organization to connect to and because it may help inform you as to how you end up, you know, really doing the work and what you end up doing. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you guys for joining us. Um, we'll definitely be back in a couple of weeks. Um, or, you know, we'll, we'll be talking through, you know, mask or something. I don't know. Uh, we're both, no, no, we're both still relatively healthy. Uh, well, my allergies are making me crazy. I was going to say, Larry might sound a little off, but that's just because of his allergies. Yeah. He wants to rip his nose off of his face. <laughs> And most people will tell you I sound off anyway. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. As always, uh, you can find me at Spotted Dog Arch. And you can find Matthew at... Uh, Arch Geek Matt. So there we go. Come out and look for us. Oh, oh, and, and finally, we're on iTunes and Spotify. And, and Pocket Cast. And we're still waiting for Google Play. Haven't heard that definite yet, but they've got it processing. So... Uh, Gosh, you should be able to find us almost anywhere. Wow. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next time. I uh, hope you're doing well, and uh, bye. Bye. Bye.